All right, welcome everyone to this post-election podcast 2018. Tony Lopez along with our political analyst Gary Dietrich. I'm glad you still have your voice, Gary. You've been doing a lot of talking. Hey, well, you know what? It's the nature of the biz, but I tell you, this midterm... You had to gear up for this one. This was unlike any since I've been here in the Capitol 30 years. Voter turnout, the big headline, along with uh, the race as of this taping locally that's still undecided. District 10, Josh Hart of the challenger, Jeff Denham, the Republican incumbent. Still too close to call. No big surprise that it's been this tight, right? No, we knew this was going to be a dogfight from the beginning. Millions and millions of dollars spent on both sides. And I hate to tell you, but it's not over just for this time around. But almost certainly a race this tight with a Congress that's still going to be up for grabs in 2020. Make no mistake about it. This race is going to be near the top of the agenda again. And so, you know, Republicans are going to want to hang out of the seat. Democrats are going to want to pick it off if indeed Denham hangs on. Reminiscent of the Ami Barra-Scott Jones race, which exactly was, I think, right. two percentage points. Yeah, that's exactly right. Ami Barra took him several cycles before they started stop targeting him, right? And they even thought about doing it again this time around, but figured he was safe enough. Now, McClintock to jumped to District 4. Mm-hmm. Looks like he won pretty handily, so I would expect him not to face a serious challenge, more than likely, in 2020. One of the quick things that people should remember is, you know, while we had a much higher turnout than normal in this midterm, that goes up even further, right, for a presidential race. And typically, typically, Democrats see their best shots in presidential years. So if Harder doesn't win this time around, I would expect them to take another shot at this seat in 2020. So let's talk about 2020 briefly. And with that, we talk about Gavin Newsom being the new governor-elect. Uh, yes, he's going to jump in, at, you know, both feet forward to tackle the issues of the state. But bigger picture... He sounded a lot last night, or a lot on election night, like a, a national candidate. He sure did. I mean, there was really no specifics for California. It was all basically, we need a new day in America, and California's going to lead that way. So, you know, was he tipping his hand that, hey, I plan on being involved in 2020, and if not then, for sure in 2024? I think most people think that's likely to happen. And even if in 2020, he said unequivocally, supposedly right after the election, I am not going to be a candidate. Of course, you've heard that from a lot of people in the past. But he will certainly be involved in politics in, in 2020. I mean, he'll be asked to go to other states uh, as, a, as a surrogate, as a stand-in uh, for Democratic leadership. I know this has been getting some play, the fact that he's saying he's not sure if he's going to live in the capital city. He has young children in school, want to maybe stay in, I believe, Marin County is right. where, where he's at. Um, obviously, stealing a page from uh, uh, Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger living uh, in down, down south in a hotel, right? Yeah, well, and the thing about it is, he said he said he's going to go check out the governor's mansion. So we'll see. Uh, but does a family of four, you know, four kids want to live there in downtown Sacramento? I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure it's all that important. You know, he may spend a couple nights in the mansion here, and then uh, you know, let the family stay stay down in uh, North Bay, which is you know, mm-hmm. what 90 minutes away. State propositions on the ballot, um, a lot of them. There were 11, I believe. Um, the one that impacted the most people, I think, has to do with the, the gas tax. And Governor Brown, uh, you know, kind of was adamant about telling voters, you know, vote no on this, and, and no prevailed. Yeah, they did. They spent a lot of money. They outspent the yes side by a lot. Uh, there's a lot of money at stake. When you're building roads and bridges and repairing stuff, $5 billion a year is nothing to sneeze at. So those business interests and those union interests put a lot of money into the no campaign. Brown was happy to support that as well. And, you know, that's got to be, I mean, Gavin Newsom certainly breathing a sigh of relief because that would have been $5 billion off the table when he takes office in January. The yes side throwing a fit over the language of this bill, threatening a lawsuit, but it's been voted upon, so chances are that's not going to go anywhere, right? Yeah, the, those challenges typically have to happen before it gets voted on. Uh, the court's typically been very reluctant once the 
public has voted on something to toss it out. The challenges typically happen up front. There's been a lot of concern about that. There was a lot, this, this ballot more than others, Tony, we were talking about this a little bit this week, you know, Yes, meaning no, no meaning mm-hmm. yes on some of these propositions. It was kind of confusing to a lot of people. Uh, the one thing that passed, and uh, people may think it's going to happen right away, but it is not, is the daylight saving time uh, proposition, which uh, would give us uh, uh, that permanent extra hour of, uh, of light later in the day. Hopefully that didn't sound too confusing. You know what I mean. You're going to be able to watch See, your even dog. daylight saving time is confusing. <laughs> Bottom line, people, here's the thing. I know we. Ha- I understand we've had more hits uh-huh. on our website about Prop 7 than we have anything else. And people calling into the station, all right, folks, this is it. Don't get all excited about changing your clocks anytime soon. It's not going to happen. What this proposition did simply was allow the legislature, if they so choose, to pass a bill. I understand it has to be by two-thirds majority. Uh, then they have to go to the feds for approval. So our clock changing process, don't hold your breath about that changing any time in the near future. Bigger picture as it relates to California, did, did the blue wave reach us? I mean, McClintock held his seat. Denham may hold his. Yeah, right. You know, not as much as I think people thought. I mean, with Nancy Pelosi, you know, the speaker in waiting, being here in California, and they dumped a lot of resources into the state in these swing districts, seven or eight key Republican held seats. You know what? They haven't done very well so far in that. I mean, we have a lot of these seats yet to be, yet to be determined. But McClintock looks like he's nope, not a problem at all. Denon may hang on to his in the South State. Um, Democrats might pick up a couple. But I think a lot of people thought this is going to be ground zero, and it just didn't turn out that way. I know the race for school superintendent isn't officially called, but Marshall Tuck was leading. Um, and if that happens, that could really change the face of education in the state. Yeah, CTA, California Teachers Association, big time supporters of his opponent Thurmond uh, they usually help call the shots on these races I mean typically who the teachers get behind wins that hasn't happened it looks like in this race and there's going to be some noise making going on no doubt about it in the K-12 education system if uh, Tuck is is actually uh, the winner here speaking with Gary Dietrich our political analyst Tony Lopez here along with you this uh uh, post-mortem Politipod podcast, if you will. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate it. We want to talk briefly, though, about the President Trump's reaction uh, to the midterms because uh, presidents in the past that have lost uh, Congress have said, oh, we, we got hammered, we got shellacked, we lost. He's claiming victory in large part because he feels that he could negotiate now with the other side and get more done. Your take on that? Well, for one thing, he didn't lose the Senate and the House, and he didn't even lose seats in the Senate. I mean, that's rather remarkable when you think about it. You know, yeah, the, the House flipped. We'll see by how much. We still don't know what that majority is going to look like. Most people are saying it wasn't the big tidal wave we thought it was going to be because I don't think the House majority is going to be that huge. And more importantly, Republicans could have picked up as many as five seats. Now, that is huge because what that does for the president is, especially with his judicial nominees, uh, we saw, we've already seen, he's already, he's already gotten two Supreme Court justices confirmed, but there's lots of other nominees that could impact the direction of the courts in the United States for decades. So there you go. That's one aspect that he's going to be dealing with. Now, the other thing, dealing with a democratically controlled house, he already made a lot of noises right after the election today, in fact. Hey, we think we can cut some deals with Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. He's reached out to her. I think he's going to see, I'm going to triangulate as much stuff as I can so that if things don't get uh, passed, if we don't get any deals cut, in 2020, I can say, hey, it's not my fault. Look at the, Dem- the new Democratic House. They were the ones that blew it. I tried to reach out. I tried to cut some deals with them. They wouldn't play well. 
Do you think Pelosi, her second run as speaker, is going to take the route of let's work with this president to try and get things done that's good for the American people? Or will she back the things like, hey, we want to see your tax returns and we want to know about the Russian meddling? Which way do you think she's going to go? So far, she's been holding at bay those very loud voices in her own caucus in the House and in the Democratic Party more broadly to really go after Trump big time, up to and including impeachment. But she said no. She said no before the election. She said no once they won uh, last night. So I don't. I, I think it's going to be hard pressed. And we have the speaker. They're the ones that set the agenda. Uh, now she's going to get a lot of pressure from from these folks. But I think she's saying to herself, "Look, it's not going to serve us well going into 2020 if all we've done." All we've done is had investigations. Right. So the, the headlines, obviously, we talked about this uh, during the broadcast on election night. Uh, the script pretty much went as planned, right? Uh, no huge surprises, or did anything strike you as kind of an aha moment? Well, I, I will tell you what, what was big for uh, the president. He didn't want to lose Florida. They hung on to the governorship and the Senate seat in Florida. That's going to become very important, of course, in uh, 2020. And another big important presidential seat, Ohio. They won the governorship there. So those, most people, most of us believe those were two big wins that, you know, were this blue wave to have swept across the country would not have happened. Another big win, at least symbolically, was Ted Cruz hanging onto his seat in Texas. You know, had he been ushered out in a state like Texas, I'll tell you, that would really have emboldened uh, Democrats going into 2020. And the race for 2020 begins right Today. here, right now. Today, right? Oh, yeah. We're going to see... I mean, we already have, of course. We already have a candidate in residence here in Kamala Harris. Lots of whispers about Gavin Newsom, but make no mistake about it. I mean, every Democrat knows that to get that nomination, they're going to have to win California. So, and not only that, but we are the gigantic campaign cash ATM machine, right? <laughs> I mean, in Silicon Valley and especially down in Hollywood. So we're going to see every serious Democratic candidate in just the next few months right here in California. Do you think people in middle, middle America sitting on their the porch of their farm who might be a little left-leaning perhaps looking at a california candidate would they buy into that because a lot of parts of our of our country think that a part of california is kind of wacko right yeah but these people are spending so much time already in iowa they probably already know the people that are serving coffee downtown <laughs> yeah. you know at the cafes i mean that's the irony of this right i mean these people that are big state politicians are hanging out in little cafes with 15 people in places like New Hampshire and Iowa. And it's going to be real interesting to see how this all shakes out because, honestly, by certainly right after the holidays, the presidential race is going to be going big time. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm all for focusing on the holidays now because the midterm elections are over. It's been nice to talk to you, Gary, about just uh, just the intricacies of it, the ins and outs as we kind of right. give people uh, you know, a different flavor because we can throw all the numbers and all the, you know... Uh, analytics at someone we just have to really break it down and talk like uh we're sitting at a coffee shop just chatting with someone yeah and that's it. what we've tried to do on mm -hmm. these politopods as you know and i look forward to doing more down the road with you and you know gavin newsom's going to present his agenda for the state early in january we're going to know a lot about where he's planning to take the state and i think people are going to have a lot of feelings about that he is strongly positive or not yeah and for that state of the state of course we'll probably bring back another politopod uh, episode and talk about what uh, governor-elect newsom uh, is discussing as far as getting more specific. So as always, Gary, thank you for your time. You can tune in to CBS 13, of course, and see Gary give his expert analysis. And every once in a while, we'll uh, show up on the Politipod uh, scene here and just kind of talk about things that are happening in our neck of the woods or uh, on the broader national scale. And then just imagine, yeah. Charlie, just imagine what our Politipod is going to be like when we near our California primary mm -hmm. and you have 
dozens of Democratic candidates vying to be part of that. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be wild. I, I think California could play a very, very large role in this next presidential race. To steal a line from the Carpenters, we've only just begun. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, folks. Tony Lopez along with Gary Dietrich. Of course, tune in to CBS 13 for all your news of the day, breaking news, sports, weather, politics, you name it. As always, thanks for listening. You guys have a great day. Take care.